You're listening to And the Plot Thickens, an Authors on the Air Radio Network podcast. Join your host, suspense and horror writer Jeff Crawford, as he explores the art of creating tension and mood with authors from a wide variety of genres. Find out more about Jeff and his books at authorjeffcrawford.com. And now, meet today's author guest. Hey up and welcome to And the Plot Thickens, part of the Authors on the Air Global Network. I'm your host, Jeff Crawford, and my producer is Carrie Schaefer. With us today is not only a best-selling author, but she's also a fan favorite. Um, I am very fortunate to have met, and now we're even more fortunate to be able to have a conversation with. Pamela Fagan Hutchins, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I am so fortunate to uh, know you as well and to have a, a handmade um, checker set in our Wyoming Lodge that you gave to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you very much. I hope you win every game on you play. You know, we don't do a lot of preamble. Let's just jump right into this and talk about suspense. That's what we do on this show. Sounds good. Um, your books have a lot of edge of your seat moments. Uh, I mean, that's that's you uh, right down the line. Suspense and tension and anxiety and how hard is it to uh, get the reader into that place where you're at when you? You know, it's. For me, it's probably harder for me to get myself there than them because I have this really bad habit of starting my books um, in a peaceful moment and then doing a slow build and my publisher's trying to break me of that habit. Um, but once I, once I start to um, add in the elements, uh, it, it feels like it's pretty organic and that people get there um, when I want them to. But my theory of writing suspense is basically to take whoever your protagonist is and think of everything that could possibly make their life a living hell and then just continue to, to add to that as you go along. So um, it gets us there all right. Okay. Um, are you ever completely satisfied that you've set the mood? Um, and the tension to its fullest. And, and by that, I mean, I know, I know for me, that's what I probably spend the most time tweaking and, and adding this word or this phrase to try and get it to a certain level, uh, the, the level that I feel in that moment. Do you ever get exactly right where you want to be? Man, I, I wish that I could say that I look back on what I write and I ever think it's exactly what I wish it was, but sometimes I'm pretty happy with it. If that counts, um, I do a lot of playing with, um, the impacts of setting and pace and, you know, doing things to try to change the tone. Um, but most of the time I see it so clearly in my head. I don't know about you, Jeff, but a lot of times I'm writing from a movie in my head, you know, and I'm just kind of trying to follow, 
follow as fast as I can. I'm just the transcriber. And uh, so if I am, if I'm tuned in enough to that, um, then after, you know, however many iterations it takes us, right, you know, to get those words right, um, generally I can get that scene feeling that I'm looking for that adds to the tension. Gotcha. Um, okay. Whether in, in one of your books, whether it's in a hospital with no power or on the side of a dadgum mountain covered in snow, whatever, what creates the most anxiety, suspense, tension? Is it the, the situation that's known or is it the unknown? The unknown and the fear of loss. You know, um, maybe this is the the mom in me, but I really enjoyed writing my Patrick Flint series where it's a family drama adventure mystery. There's a lot going on there, a historical family drama adventure mystery. And, and what I like about that is the fear that, that a parent has about injury or loss, you know, loss of or injury to a child. And so I get to play with that a lot in that series. And that's always the great unknown for somebody is whether you're gonna lose somebody that, that you care about. Um, and, and I guess too, that's a little bit of the difference between mystery and suspense. With suspense, you absolutely know what the ending is. And I tend to write mystery suspense in that most of the time there's the unknown of, it still could be anybody. The danger could come from any one of the potential bad guys, which I try to make anyone in the book, um, except for my core characters. And it could come from the elements. It could come from a plane falling from the sky, but leaving those possibilities of what could happen open. So the long answer is it's unknown <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, does, does, cause it could be either way. I, I was talking to Revis Wortham one, one day, and he, he mentioned a word that I had never thought about as far as connection with suspense and tension and all that. He said the key word is dread. Is what? Is, is dread. Uh-huh. And, and I was wondering if that ever plays into it, where do you? Are you talking dribs and drabs, like drib dribbling it out? Well, I'm talking about, do you want the the characters to i know they're going to be afraid they're going to be afraid, but right. are they do they dread what's coming um, right almost to the, almost to the point where the reader dreads knowing what's going to happen that to me is a super important element of straight up suspense is dread right is you know the possibilities at least i still like them to dread that there could be more than one bad outcome because it leaves you more control um, as an author of um, taking them in directions and adding to that suspense by combining dread with the fear of the unknown. But yeah, it's it dread to me is an important one. Now, when you first said that, I thought you said drib. And the reason I did is because, you know, Revis is into the old timey words. And so he dribs and drabs was, I was immediately going, what old timey word did Revis throw at you when you were talking to him? But no, dread is, is a super, um, a super important element. I, I agree. I agree. And, um, I, you know, as much as I want a, 
a reader who want to turn to my books, I want them to dread doing it too. You know, yeah. you know, how much more can I, do? you know, yeah. uh, I want, I want to get into something that I don't have an opportunity to talk to many people about. Uh Oh, and, um, <laughs> and it's, and, and I guarantee you, it will not be about Texas A&M. Uh, Florida Gator hat. What about the New Mexico Lobos? <laughs> my husband's representing in here too. My office is also our guest bedroom and my audio studio. So it's um, a little of this and a little of that. But what? throw it at me. What you got? Let's talk about building suspense in narration. Okay. You're, you're an accomplished and talented writer. Everybody knows that. What people need to know is that you are equally accomplished and talented at narration. And I know that firsthand. What goes in understanding a book well enough to where you're reading it, you're living it out and making it a, a breathing thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think to a certain extent, I'm lucky. Well, I'm going to take a step back. I have always said that in my prior life that I had my um, PhD in people. I don't have a PhD, I have a law degree, but I was um, a vice president of human resources for a refining company. And so what I did all day, every day was deal with people and whatever it was that was causing them angst, consternation, pain, um, disappointment, you know, et cetera, in a job setting where they felt um, a lot of their self-worth and their income, you know, et cetera, their security was tied to this job. Not murder, but still a whole lot of emotion. And so, you know, I always laugh and say, that was my PhD in understanding people and what makes them tick. And so I feel very lucky that if I read through something, that what speaks to me is the relationships and how the relationships progress in, you know, through the course of the book. And I think for me, some of that is just that PhD in people, that coming to understand people. And, you know, even if it's reading something where the people are just characters that are, are not people, you know, monsters or, or whatever they are, sci-fi fantasy, it's still about the interactions between sentient beings, most of these books. And I think I get those. And I enjoy it. I really enjoy uh, dropping myself into the shoes of the people, the monsters, whatever, in um, a manuscript and letting it flow through me. It's a it's powerful feeling. Well, that brings that up to this. You're, you're, it's not just suspense, which is what we focus on here, but there is, you know, there's euphoria, there's sadness, there's this, there's this. All throughout a book, there's everything. Do, do you become those characters when you're doing that so you can emote properly? Both when I'm writing and when I'm narrating. So if I'm writing a scene and it's emotional, I'll cry when I'm writing it. I'll laugh when I'm writing it. I will fight with my husband when I finish a scene where people have been fighting because I'm still all bitchy and happy with the characters. And I'll do the same thing when I'm narrating. I'll start crying when I'm uh, talking. I'll feel it well up in me that, you know, powerful, uncontrollable feeling as if you're that character. 
um, which is probably why I don't enjoy doing horror. I don't want to be that scared. <laughs> but all those other feelings I like. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, is there a favorite? You know, it's like asking a writer which is his favorite book. They're all, they're all his favorite. Books. But yeah. is, do you prefer writing to narrating? Still, narrating is far easier. Um, but there's problems with narration and, and that is, I don't make as much money at it. Let's just cut to the chase. I make money off my books <laughs> that I write. And so, you know, for a lot of years, I did my own narration as well as doing side hustle narration for other people. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed narrating because it gave me a final chance to test the emotional and suspense nuances by reading them aloud, as well as proofing a book. And I thought that was a really valuable step for me for my own work. Um, it was distracting when it was other people's work because I still had that hat on white, like I'm narrating for performance and proofreading. Um, but I found that it was, it was a nice last checkpoint. Um, and I miss doing that, but I've just overcommitted to what I can write and I can't do it right now anymore. But the narration, the hard part of narration isn't the narrating. The hard part of narration is the sound. And I don't enjoy working with sound. Um, that was a necessary evil that came along with it was controlling a sound environment. There's all kinds of dirty sound, you know, extraneous noises, whether it comes from, you know, I I've discovered that there is a sound that is made by my ear, I'm not kidding you, that is picked up by microphones. And when I speak and when I swallow, it actually makes a sound. And I, I, I've tried everything in the world to deal with this. I finally decided maybe other people don't notice it, but things like that'll drive you crazy. I live out on the face of a mountain in Wyoming. I'm sitting here by an open window. That's how we, you know, I regulate temperature by open windows, closed windows, or fires in the fireplace. Those all make sounds birds, the cats outside, the wind. So controlling that, whether you're in a city or whether you're like me up on a mountain, that's the part that's not fun. But the part where it is just sheer immersive performance, oh, that's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> that's just that's just fun. And writing hurts. Writing is hard. I have to force myself to write. But yet I'm, the, I'm not James Patterson or Janet Ivanovich, so I'm the only one that can write my books, you know? So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's with great sadness that I've recently hired a couple of narrators to do my most recent books because I'm, I'm taking away the payoff. <laughs> well, there's your level of suspense right there because you don't know how it's going to sound, but you can't wait to hear it. I know. It. I know. <laughs> yeah, before, before we, you know, skedaddle out of here and you go look at bighorn sheep or... <laughs> whatever it is that you want to do today. Um, tell everybody what you've got that's cooking hot in the fire right now and where they can find it and you. Well, thanks. I think I'll do that. Um, it's been a um, big summer of book releases or a big year of book releases for me. The most recent two, um, Bighorn. Bighorn is a new first in series for me. It is uh, mystery suspense featuring a um, female lawyer from Texas who moves to Wyoming because her former NFL tight end husband, who's a veterinarian, falls in love with Wyoming and buys the lodge. And she has to um, decide between staying in Houston and running for the district attorney position or moving to Wyoming. 
and the uh, dead the dead guy in the um, septic tank behind the lodge ultimately is the kicker for her as the lodge keeper where they're staying needs legal defense. So that's Bighorn. And I don't know what's going on, but that book is killing it. And um, it's first in series. And the adage is you can't make money until it's at three, but it's it's proven us wrong. And then the most recent is number, whoops, how do you do this? Number seven in my Patrick Flint series, this is Sitting Duck. And this book is kind of my PG, because Patrick Flint's PG, family drama adventure mystery set in the 1970s, um, homage to Stephen King. You know, Stephen King wrote The Shining after he stayed in, um, I'm gonna forget the name of the hotel. You may remember the name of the hotel in Colorado off season with his wife. And it was so eerie that it inspired him to write The Shining. So I wanted to create that kind of really suspenseful um, setting where you are trapped with a killer and don't know who it is um, with other people that you love, their lives on the line as well. And so that's what Sitting Duck is, is my um, Patrick Flint meets The Shining, if you will. And according to my editor, this is the best book I've ever written. I wish that that was borne out in sales, but Amazon absolutely screwed me and canceled nearly $10,000 worth of pre-orders for me, which are extremely hard to get back. So have pity on a writer here. Give Sitting Duck its legs that Amazon stripped out from under it, because according to my editor, you're not going to be sorry. This is this is the one. <laughs> oh, I believe him. I believe it. And um Anybody that's out there listening, and and if you listen to it twice, buy it twice. But uh, <laughs> if you're hearing it, go um, absolutely. Uh, hey, as I always say, books make great gifts, right? Whether they're by Jeff Crawford or Pamela Fagan Hutchins, read, share it, love it, get your library to order it. We are never going to have our feelings hurt by a little evangelism out there. No, no, no. I've always said you don't have to read it; you do have to buy it. Um, and if they're, they're great for sticking under wobbly table legs. Yeah, they are. Uh, they, they are. They will and they the look, table from. And think how pretty these these would look on your bookshelf. Holy cow! <laughs> I, I guarantee you, both of those will be on mine. Oh, thank you, uh, Jeff. <laughs> uh, Pam, it has been such a pleasure and treat for you to be here today. Please promise that you'll come back on Monday. Oh, I would love to. I'd love to. We can keep exploring what makes people stay glued to the pages, you know, when you're when you're teasing them out with that thriller, suspense, mystery, horror. And it's a lot of fun to talk about. It is. And I and I I can't think of anybody I'd rather talk about it with than you. Thank you so Thanks, much. Uh, you've been listening to and the plot thickens, part of the authors on the air global network. Um Please join us on the next when the next episode comes out. Buy a book. Tell everybody you bought it. Reviews do matter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram at www.offer.com. And you can also find the page and the plot thickens on Facebook, where you will find the links to our conversation today and from some of the shows that we've done before. Thank you so much for being here today. Pam, have a great, great day. You too. Thanks, everyone.